Welcome, dear friends and damn givers, to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. I'm your host, Nick LaPara, and this is the show you come to when you want to hear from people who are giving a damn and making the world a much better place in so many unique and meaningful ways. Thank you for hitting play. Thank you for showing up this week. And most of all, thank you for joining us on this journey toward leaving the planet much better than we found it. Friends, I am beyond thrilled to introduce you to my guest today, 13-year-old Nayara Taminga from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Real quick timeline here. On May 17, Nayara got up at her local commission meeting and spoke for three minutes. During those three minutes, she called out the leaders in front of her and other leaders for their inaction regarding the brutal murder of 26-year-old refugee from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Patrick Leoya, who was fatally shot in the back of the head by Officer Christopher Schur of the Grand Rapids Police Department during a scuffle back in April. I saw a 30 to 40 second clip of her speaking on TikTok, went and found the full two and a half hour meeting, and then went and found her three minute speech, which blew me away. So I cut it out. I posted it on my social media on May 20, three days after she spoke those words and spoke for three minutes. Since then, it has been shared by the likes of Viola Davis, Dan Levy, Leslie Jones, Jesse Williams, D.L. Hewley, and many, many others, and has garnered millions of views, thousands of shares, and thousands of comments. I invited Nayara to join me on the podcast for a conversation today because I really wanted to figure out how she got to the place where she felt bold enough as a 13-year-old to call out these leaders. I loved this chat so much. Learn so much from her. We all have a lot to learn from her. Nayara is wise beyond her years, and I have no doubt that she will continue to be great and do great in her life. Before we begin this conversation, a quick reminder that you can email me anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com to ask questions, recommend future guests, tell me how much you love or hate the show, anything really. I just love hearing from you. Also, if you listen to this show regularly, or even if this is your first time and haven't left a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, what are you waiting for? It'll take you 30 seconds max, and it helps us a ton. Also, also, the last also, we are launching the Let's Give a Damn Foundation very, very, very soon, and we have so many incredible things in store for you there. Lots of opportunities for you and me to partner together to do really good work in the world. So stay tuned for that. And now, without further ado, let's get right into my conversation with the incredible Nayara Taminga. Here we go. Nayara Taminga, thank you so much for joining me on the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Thank you for the invitation. It's amazing to be here. You've impressed me so much uh, since I saw that clip, and I'm so excited to learn more about this 13-year-old that stood up to a bunch of adults uh, in a place and time where a lot of people, even adults, probably wouldn't have spoken up, and you did. So as we begin here, you're joining me from Grand Rapids, Michigan, correct? Yes. It's been your home for most of your life. And let me set up for um, the listeners what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes on May 20, I'm scrolling through TikTok and I find this 30, 40 second clip 
of this young lady passionately speaking in front of a group of adults. Uh, you're standing behind some plexiglass. It's obviously some sort of a, a meeting, town hall, commission meeting, something like that. And that was you, obviously. Uh, and the clip I listened to was short enough that I knew that there was more to it. So I went onto YouTube and punched in Grand Rapids City Commission Meeting, which was the title on there. And there was a two and a half hour, like full length episode of, or, or, of the meeting. And so I went and found your clip and it was three minutes long. I downloaded it, cut it up, posted it. And um, right now, before we actually you know, continue, I'm going to have people listen to, they're not going to be able to see it, but I'm going to have them listen to the three-minute clip before we keep going. My name is Nayar Taminga. I am 13 years old. I've lived in Grand Rapids almost my whole life. I'm going to say it again. I'm 13 years old. All of you are adults. Adults, right? You can drive, you can drink, you can vote. I don't have that. When I asked my mom if I could be dropped off here, her response was, is it safe? Is it safe? You know, we had someone come up here and talk, don't teach our children to disobey those who are protecting us. I don't see them protecting me. If you want to talk about those protecting me, I look to those who are standing right now because my trust is in them. I don't trust any of you. I don't trust any of the police officers because you have shown time and time again that we cannot trust you. I go to City High Middle School, just voted the top high school, top high school in the state. You know what they teach us? Teach us to speak up for yourself. We're IB learners, right? We're smart. None of you are smart. None of you can recognize murderers. You can identify that there is a problem, but you cannot fix it. I don't know much about the law again, I'm young, but I'm pretty sure an accomplice to a murder should be arrested. And right now, all of you sitting and doing nothing are accomplices to a murder. Please, please refrain from the, 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 the additional commentary. If you could let her finish. Thank I am you. sorry, they are, they are fine. I'm still allowing please, to speak. Go ahead. Please, go ahead. I am frustrated, and frustrated can't even begin how absolutely terrified I am to live here. I'm expected, I'm expected to raise my kids here. I'm expected to go outside and walk my five-year-old little brother. God forbid we look too scary. God forbid he accidentally is wearing his hood and we get the police called on us because we are window shopping to go steal later. I'm not, I don't want to keep coming here. Trust me, this is not how I want to spend my night. I don't want to come here. I don't want to sit here and I don't want to have to beg you to stop killing people. That's not what I want to do. I have friends. I have other things that I could be doing. And I'm sitting in front of a group of adults who think murder is okay. And you can't sit here and tell me you don't think murder is okay because you're allowing it to happen. If you want to talk about God, you want to talk about Jesus, I'm a Christian. I don't know what God some of these people believe in, but it sure ain't mine. I, I have never read in the Bible where he said we should allow the people who are supposed to be protecting us kill us. I'm sorry, maybe I missed that scripture, though. I'm not, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Please, please do not make me sit here and scream another name. Do not sit here and make me beg. And God forbid that name is mine. God forbid that name is any of these people. God forbid. Thank you. Thank you. And you were obviously speaking up, among other things, about the April 4 murder of 26-year-old 
refugee from the Democratic Republic of the Congo who was fatally shot in the back of the head by Officer Christopher Schur of the Grand Rapids Police. But that was among other things. You were obviously speaking about all kinds of ways that adults and politicians and leaders have uh, failed you. And so before I continue talking about me posting this video and the response that it's gotten, um, tell me about that day. I would love to know more about that meeting because, again, we see the meeting happening, but we're only seeing parts of it, and we listened to your clip. But tell me more about that day. It's May 17. Uh, did you plan on going to this meeting? Was it a last-minute thing? Did you take friends with you? Talk to me about the yeah. mindset you were in that day. So we had on Instagram, we had seen the week before, you know, it was the city commissioners. Um, they were doing a protest before we were going to start downtown in Grand Rapids and walk to the building where the meeting was happening. So I went to that meeting, didn't really know how it worked. Um, the city commissioners is very hard to understand. So they talked, they talked about budget, talked about all these things. And then I didn't realize that there was a time for public comment. So when public comment began, they were talking about the budget, how much money the police were getting. And I just kind of observed. I just listened. I just wanted to see what people were saying. So the next week they had, which was when the video was taken, they had this, I guess, emergency kind of meeting. So our mayor wasn't there. We were missing some commissioners. And the idea of that meeting was the police chief was going to be there. So we held a silent protest. Instead of facing the commissioners, we were facing the other way. Um, and so I had prepared something that I was going to talk about, but I just kind of heard people talking about public comment and the amount of money. I mean, our budget goes, it's almost like 40% that is going to the police department. And it was just so much money and it's so overwhelming. So I decided to speak. I got up there and I was with my best friend and her older sister. I didn't really expect to say much. You're only given three minutes. But I just kind of got up there in this feeling of just, you have to say something. Um, and I just started talking and none of it was planned. None of it was, you know, I had written my name and where I was from and that was it. And the rest of it is just completely speaking straight from the heart. Yeah. That was one of my questions was, did you prepare? It didn't seem like you did, not that it wasn't well-spoken, but it seemed like it was coming off the cuff, but from a place of, I've been thinking about this shit. Like I've been thinking about these things and now I need to speak up and say something. Okay. Before we continue on, you know, who you are and why you stood up that day, I just want to share a little bit about how this video is connected with people. I obviously, I don't think I was the only one to share this video. I think other people did um, before me. And I even saw a shorter clip from someone else that prompted me to go look for it. But this video of you speaking in this meeting obviously resonated with people. I have a smallish platform. Um, and just on my social media platforms, it has 27,000 views on Twitter, 70,000 on Instagram, 95,000 on TikTok. And then people that have a much, much bigger platform than me took the video and shared it on their platforms. People like uh, amazing actor Viola Davis, amazing actor Dan Levy shared it. Uh, comic and best-selling author D.L. Hewley and many, many others shared this video heaping praise on you for speaking up and standing up and obviously doing the right thing. Again, before we continue, talk to me about how you're feeling about the response that the video has gotten. 
I, I assume you're feeling good about that and you're feeling encouraged, but as you see sort of the response unfold and, and I've even seen, you know, you have more, uh, social media followers than you did before. And, and I, I know that you'll do good with that as that platform continues to grow. How are you feeling in the last couple of weeks about not just because you, you didn't know that the response was going to be that you're just, again, you're speaking in that room. I don't think, I don't think you were thinking, oh, this is being live streamed and people are going to take it and run with it and share this thing. No, you were in the moment speaking to those adults in front of you and that's it. So as this thing is unfolded, how do you feel? Um, honestly shocked. I knew the meeting. I mean, my mom has watched them before. So I knew that they were live streamed. I didn't assume more than like 20 people were watching it. Um, and also how you talked about searching out on YouTube. I knew that there was like two and a half hours long. And so when I originally saw it, I was completely shocked. I didn't believe it was me. I didn't believe that other people cared what I had to say. Because to me, it was a normal Tuesday night. This is what I wanted to say. This is what I had to do. But to others, I feel like it was so much more. And it's crazy how many people have seen the video and seen me talk. Overall, just like with the social media followers, I think that the biggest thing that I want to convey is, yes, like we need justice, but it's also like I am a teenager. So I don't want it to be a like, this is, I'm now an adult who wants to talk about all these things, but it's, I'm a teenager who still cares about these things despite my age. And it's also just been kind of eye-opening to see that the amount of people who are against what I'm talking about, but also like the amount of people who are for what I'm talking about are coming and expressing what I feel and kind of allowing me to share it with just more people than those eight adults sitting in front of me. Talk to me about your home life, because obviously... Um the person you're becoming and the things you said and all that went into preparing you again, not that you prepared, but you were obviously were who you, you showed up fully you in that moment and spoke and they had to come from somewhere, right? They had yeah. to come from thinking about it and talking about it maybe and influences in your life. So as you think about home and I, I know I've, I've emailed with your mom and, um, who are the people in your life that kind of, prepared you for that moment again through mentoring or talking with you or showing you things not hiding the realities of our world with you talk about the yeah the people that have showed up in your life to prepare you on a normal tuesday night in grand rapids michigan to stand yeah. up and say those things i mean overall my mom is top of the list i so my parents were not together when i was born and i've had a rocky relationship with my father but I think my mom has always been there. So that was just, even whatever I do in life, my mom is always there. My mom is always my rock. And so, I mean, I stood up for her that day as well. Like I wanted to show what she raised and I wanted to show that there are kids in the world who care. Um, I'd say overall, also the organization that I write poetry with is the Diatribe. And they have been so encouraging and have taught me so much about who I am as a person, who I am as a kid, who I am as I'm a learner, as a writer. Um, and so I, I'd also have to overall say myself because of the rocky home life that I've had sometimes and of the good home times and just overall, I have, I feel like been there for myself as well. Um, 
And there's also an organization who is always at the city commissioner's meeting called Black Activists United. And they, just seeing them speak, seeing them stand up there, they have also been such an encouragement and such amazing people to look up to. I love that you sh- you included yourself in that list because the reality is there are, you know, as I thought about you as a 13-year-old, and there are other young people that I have seen over the past several years. I mean, really, uh, a certain someone took office in 2016 and just lots of shitty things have happened in our country since then. A lot of, a lot of, uh, bad people that want to do bad things have stood up and expressed doing that, whether it's just their intention or they've actually done it. And it's been kind of mayhem. It's been kind of, um, it's been hard to think straight and to find allies and to find people that do give a damn. And I have seen so many young people over the last few years stand up. And yes, obviously part of that comes from the influences around you. In this case, your mom and the diatribe, which we'll speak about in a few minutes, and uh, and other organizations that you admire. Those are all certainly influential in your life. But there are lots of other young people. This is what I always try to encourage young people to think about, because a lot of people will talk, a lot of young people in your position might not mention themselves in that list. And I think it's so important because there are so many young people that have other influences. They have, you know, great parents, whether it's one or two of them in the home, they have great, you know, influences around them and they wouldn't stand up and speak up. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's horrible. It's, it's a hard thing to do and it takes, it takes guts and it takes, you know, a a damn giving spirit to do that. So I'm not criticizing them, but you obviously believe in yourself Because again, supportive mom and all of that doesn't mean that you have to get up in front of a bunch of intimidating adults, right? Just seven or eight of them sitting there. And I'm sure that's very intimidating and I'm sure it was very hard to do. So I'm glad you're giving yourself credit there as well. And I want to go back a minute. You talked about how it's, it does suck that young people have to be standing up to the mic to say these things. Like the adults should be doing this on your behalf. Yes, I think it's a good thing that you are standing up, but that pressure on a 13-year-old, on a 10-year-old, on a nine, that that pressure uh, that that these kids in Uvalde, Texas last week, the pressure that they have to be, uh, I mean, for those that survived, for those that were, murdered, may they rest in peace. That happened because adults didn't stand up. That happened because adults didn't make the right decision. So on the one hand, I'm so proud of you and I'm so glad that you stood up. The other hand is that you did it because the adults didn't fucking stand up. The adults didn't do what they're supposed to do. You can't change the laws. Ted Cruz can. You can't change the laws. Governor Abbott can't. I don't, I'm, I'm not naming uh, Michigan politicians because I don't know them by name. They haven't been in the news like others lately. But the point is, like, it sucks that you have to stand up because your voice means something. Obviously, we could, you know, give more numbers of the tens of thousands of times your video has been shared, the millions of times it's been viewed. But that doesn't make laws. It does move the needle. But you're having to stand up because other adults haven't. And that sucks. How are you... For the adults around you, whether it's your teachers, uh, you know, the the parents of your friends, like, do you, 
yeah, how are you feeling about that? Like, do you feel like you need to speak up to those other adults in your life? Or are you just trying to stay centered in who you are as a 13 year old? Cause I don't want you to feel the pressure to start leading adults. You know, that sucks that mm -hmm. you even have to be put in that position. I think overall, I, you know, I have certain adults I look up to. I have certain adults who have taught me and have formed me as a person, but I feel like I mainly do it for the kids who are younger than me yeah, and the kids who are my age, because at the end of the day, we, our skin color, our identification, like all of that is, stays with us from the second you're born to, you know, the day that you die. That's not something that can be changed by, you know, who you're raised by, who you're surrounding yourself with. So I think that as adults, a lot of adults in Michigan, in the world, in our country have failed us. And it's to the point where I don't really trust most adults. You know, I spoke in the video, but I don't trust to people to protect. I don't trust people to change laws. So we have to do something. We as kids, we as people of color, we have to do something because doing nothing is creating more murders. It's creating more hateful people in the world and it's not changing anything. So I think that adults have the power, but I feel like the power can be shifted, not just because of someone's title or because of their education status or anything like that. You mentioned in your three minute video as well, your three minutes at the podium about your school. And obviously most kids don't get to choose where they go to school, but it seems like you're in a great school, right? You talked about it being voted top school in the state. Um, tell me about your school because it sounds like I'm not going to, you know, pass any judgments till you tell me, but it sounds like the kind of school that isn't afraid of new ideas, isn't afraid of children speaking up, probably not, uh, you know, even if this probably not on board with banning books. And if they are, there's probably a lot of people in the school that isn't. So again, tell me about your school because you're there for hours and hours a day. It's so important. I have three kids. They are seven, nine, and 10 and where they go to school and who influences them for seven, eight hours every day is hugely important. It could, it could in fact point them in the direction they're going to spend the rest of their life going in, right? It may shape what they want to do with their lives, the kind of family they want to have, where they want to live, all of that. It's so hugely important school. So talk for a minute about your school. Yeah. So I go to city high middle school and we're at something called an international baccalaureate school or an IB school. So our courses are different. We have certain classes that we take that are different. And overall, City is such an amazing school because like you talked about, and you are correct, we at City, so many ideas are accepted. Um, and I feel like even if one person administration is against it, the student body is such a powerful force. And at City, you know, we have core values that we talk about. We, our classes are very hard. Um, a lot of people drop out. A lot of people get kicked out because of grades. Our classes are not easy, but my sister, who is a graduating senior, has been there for six years. And throughout every year at City, you learn more of your about yourself as a learner, as a person. And so I'm incredibly grateful because they have also given me a chance to share my voice. Um, a couple weeks ago, about a month or so, I'd say we led a walkout. Mm. And we it was me and a couple other students. We thought that maybe 30, 50 people would show up. We said, after lunch, you meet in the gym concourse. We're going to protest around school. And we had, I'd, I'd roughly say 300 kids. Amazing. Um, 
and there was just so many people and just such a community. We had news coverage. We had, you know, administrators back this up, even though we were, we were skipping class. Like we were walking out of class. We were marching around school. We were being disruptive. They had to stop tests because of us. And it's because we're here and city gave us that voice to be able to speak and to be able to show others at school and in our community that we're a force to be reckoned with and that no matter our age, we need to be heard. I love that. I'm so glad you're in a place uh, for seven, eight hours a day that supports you and the other students, obviously, in those ways. You mentioned a couple minutes ago that you are part of this nonprofit organization called the Diet Tribe, uh, a nonprofit whose mission is to use performing arts to empower young people to share their stories, raise awareness of social issues, and create change within their communities. Um, how did you find out about the Diet Tribe? I, 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 I want to share this for a minute or two because there are, I want young people out there listening to this to realize that you don't have to wait. Obviously I want you as a, as a young person to still enjoy your childhood. I don't want you to grow up too quickly. I want you to be a kid for as long as you can, because life just gets rougher and more complicated as you grow older. But I also want to but let's give a damn is built on the idea that every single human being can give a damn and should give a damn. So for kids, my kids, they are primarily kids, right? And they do kid things. But I also want them to know that even in their young age, they can help, they can serve, they can love, they can give back. So how did you find out about it? And why as a 13 year old, are you involved in this organization instead of, I mean, you could be using this time, not showing up at Tuesday night meetings and not, you know, being a part of the diatribe and, you know, whatever, playing video games, hanging out with your friends, which I'm sure you do as well, but like you're spending time doing these things. Tell me about it and why you're doing it. Yeah. So the diatribe goes into different schools and does a workshop where you have a certain group of students you go throughout a couple of weeks, they come into your classroom, they teach you about writing poetry, they teach you about performing. And so they had done it at the school that my mom works at. And so the summer of 2020, I did their summer workshop. And I had written a couple of things before, you know, journaled, nothing too serious, nothing I had taken into much consideration. But through the diatribe, I learned to express emotions and express different feelings of what I wanted to see in the world, of who I was as a person. And so the summer of 2020, I wrote... I would say like five different poems in the span of a week. And ever since then, I have done their summer workshops. I have performed for them. And every single performance is based on what you want to say. So the diatribe, I love them so much because they, they don't care who, where you come from. They don't care who you are as a person. They want to, they care about what you want to say. They care about what you bring to the table, what, who you are and who you are going to affect. And so different, you know, they give you different prompts to write on, but overall, just the feeling of working with the diatribe and just being able to present for them and having these amazing teaching artists has shown me that in our community, there is stuff you can do because it doesn't take very long to sit down and write a poem. It doesn't take very long to journal about your day because though it seems like, oh, no one cares, no one matters, you're doing it in the end for yourself. And so the diatribe has worked with me and worked with other people of just expressing how you feel in the form of poetry. And that is just one outlet. That is just one outlet of poetry, but also just loving yourself, giving yourself affirmations, 
being established in your community and just the overall feeling of community with them has been such an amazing part of my life. And, you know, I really do believe that through the diatribe, I have gained so much knowledge and it has helped me form who I am as a person. Yeah, I have no doubt about any of that in terms of the effect that it's had on your life. Again, not many 13-year-olds could have stood up there and said those things off the cuff and really gotten the idea out there, right? I mean, thir- at 13, most people aren't their most articulate. They aren't their most you know, mature and their most formed in terms of getting ideas out there. That's like you know, high school. And, then, and I know many adults that still couldn't have said the things that you did. So I love poetry as well. And one thing I love about poetry is it helps you think well. It helps you speak well. You're slowing down long enough to, you know, to get these ideas out and to say things, uh, doesn't, not even just necessarily like fancy or too articulate. You're just being clear, um, about what you want to say. So again, I have no doubt that that part of you being able to stand up for those three minutes and say those things was due to your time with the amazing folks at the diatribe. You had three minutes at the mic on May 17. If I was to say, Okay, Nayara, I'm going to give you three minutes to speak to, forget adults, because again, you shouldn't have to at 13 lead other adults and push them to do the right thing. And you pointed out, rightly so, that you're more concerned about speaking to your peers and kids younger than you as they grow up in this world that doesn't change as quickly as we would like it to, right? Change always takes much, much longer. So if I gave you those same three minutes, but said, hey, instead of these seven adults that probably aren't going to take your advice and are probably going to shrug it off and not do something about it, I'm going to give you a chance to address all 13-year-olds, all 12-year-olds, all young people. Um, again, I don't need you to speak for three minutes, but what would you, what would you say to them as you have now experienced the, 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 the glassy eyes from adults as they look at you and not respond and move on to the next speaker and, you know, kind of ignore what you had to say that day. Um, how would you encourage these young people as you observe the world, as you observe what's going on, what's not going on, how politicians are failing us, how the police are failing us, how our criminal legal system is failing us. All these systems are failing, but we still got to have hope. We still got to move forward. How would you encourage them? Um, I think, just overall, like three main points is just number one, trust yourself. Um, And I think that that is so much more important than people put emphasis on because you have to trust yourself. Of course, there were, I was terrified to get up there. I mean, there were adults staring at me. There were people in the crowd, like I was terrified, but I had to trust myself and I had to trust that I knew what I had to do and I was going to do it. Um, And so I think that the second thing would be don't dim yourself. Don't allow other people to dim yourself. Don't, you know, don't kind of underestimate what you can do. Because if you would have asked me two weeks ago why I did what I did, I would have been like, I just, I wanted to say it. But now I feel like there's so much more than that. I had a community behind me and I had Patrick behind me. Um, And so I think that don't allow others to dim your light. Don't dim your light yourself. Um, and number three, it would just be overall love. Overall, just love. Because I don't, I don't hate 
those commissioners. I don't hate people who trust them. I don't, I don't hate them. I, but I instead have just so much love for the family of Patrick Luya, for Patrick Luya himself. I have so much love for them because what they're going through is unimaginable. It's unimaginable. It really is. And it's not, you know, even the families of that shooting in the school, it's unimaginable. It's just something that we can never imagine. And so you have to, you really have to use love and you really have to use your own core values to get through life. And I'm, I'm only 13. Like I, I don't understand half of what I will learn as I grow up, but right now I am certain that for my entire life, I'm going to have obstacles and I'm going to have good times, but you just need love to get through it, which seems very cliche, but it is true for me. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, what your higher power is, what you believe in, who you trust, you know, what your political power is. Um, you have to just love yourself and you have to love your others in your community because they're the ones who are going to back you up. They're the ones who are going to be behind you for your entire life. I love that. I love all three of those pieces of advice. I needed to hear that. I needed to be reminded of those things as a not 13 year old, as a not young person anymore. And speaking of being 13, what do you, as we begin to wrap up here, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, and let me preface it by saying this, I'm 38 and I still don't know what the hell I want to be when I grow up. So you don't have to figure it out or you don't have to know, but even maybe in the past couple of weeks, you've been thinking about stuff and you've been seeing the needs and whatever, like what, yeah. What do you, what do you aspire to be? Um, I just really aspire. I say like right now, my main goal is I would love to major in something like criminal justice. So I don't know, you know, a lot of people in the comments have been talking about president and like different elections and I'm like, okay, but so that, I don't know if it would be for me because I personally, like I could never be a city commissioner. And I know, I personally know the family of one of the city commissioners and for them, it's working from the inside. But for me, that just isn't something I would love to do. So I would just overall, when I grow up, I just want to continue speaking on different problems. I'd love to learn more about the justice system um, and kind of how how different things work, how laws are made, because you know, you know the overall thing, but just being able to someday talk with someone about why this law is being made, talk with someone about what we can do to change it. So different things like public advocate, a victim advocate for people who are wrongly convicted, stuff like that I would love to do. So definitely something in the justice system. I'm not sure what yet, but definitely something that I can personally see a change in myself because I can't promise that there's going to be a huge change in the world, but I want to see a change for myself between now and this video and me being 13 years old and hopefully when I'm older and I have an established job and I'm doing different things. So I do want to see a change between that. Well, a couple things. One is when the time comes and when you have a better formed idea, let's stay in touch. Let me know because I have lots of people I can connect you with for, for mentorship, for internships, like because of the work that I do, I know a lot of, I know the best people that are and not in the Donald Trump, I know the best people kind of way. Like I actually know the best people that are doing this work in the criminal legal system that are fighting the good fight. Um, and so I would, I'm sure other people will pop up that can help you. But if I can be of service in the future to connect you with people to do that sort of work, um, I'm happy to do so. Um, and 
another comment on what you said. I'm, I'm with you. I've had lots of people because of the work that I do, because of my passion, because of the storytelling that I do and the advocacy, the advocacy work that I do. I've had lots of people that have recommended me run for some sort of office. And I just have no desire to do that. I mean, you might as well put handcuffs on me and say, Hey, Nick, you can't do 75% of the things that you want to do. That just is not attractive to me. God bless politicians and lawmakers and people that can put up with all the bureaucratic and red tape bullshit that they would have to do to get the job done. To me, literally, you could not recommend a more hellish job than president of the United States. Like that is the worst job in the world. It oh, also it sounds is awful. It's very powerful and you can get a lot done, I guess. But literally that sounds like the worst job. And then all the other jobs in government. Nope. I, I just, I would rather be out here advocating, uh, being an activist, raising money, getting the work done day after day. Um, okay. As we wrap up here, first of all, thank you so much for your time. This yeah, has been, this has been pleasant. It's been beyond pleasant. It's been encouraging. I'm so excited for, uh, who you are, who you're becoming. And I want to end with this. Um, I love this quote that I've been reminded of quite a bit the last couple of weeks because it's so easy to despair. It's so easy to not find hopeful things when, again, when 19 children and two teachers are slaughtered in broad daylight while at school, 17 others injured, and those that can actually make the change happen do nothing. They give bullshit thoughts and prayers, platitudes. Uh, they are actually on recess right now for 10 days. Like, how do you, how do you take a recess, whether it's planned or not, cancel the planned recess and keep working until this is done, right? So it's so hard to, to just maintain hope. But Dr. King, who was assassinated while doing the good work, reminded us with this amazing quote, the moral arc of history is long and it bends toward justice. So in other words, change doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long, 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 long time. We are still at marches holding the same signs that people at Dr. King's marches held. But the hopeful thing, the thing that you and I can grab onto and take hope from is that it does bend toward justice. It's not as stark of a bent toward justice as we would like, but it's bending toward justice. And so our work is not in vain. Um, Nayara, thank you so much for joining us on the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Very encouraged by you. Keep up the good work. Keep being a kid and finding that balance between being a kid and giving a damn. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This has been an amazing opportunity. Dear friends and damn givers, thank you so much for showing up and for spending some time with Nayara and me this week. To find links for everything mentioned in today's conversation and to keep up with all things Let's Give a Damn, visit letsgiveadam.com. Please share this episode with a friend. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And most of all, please show up next week. We have many more incredible conversations coming your way. Chad Snavely, Jess Collins, and the incredible team at Sound On Studios made this episode. The music is by our friend Propaganda. And again, you can reach out anytime for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. I'd love to hear from you. I love you all. Be safe. Keep giving a damn. Bye for now.